Preppers often discuss where and how to store their preps, but what about places you should not store your preps? We'll talk about that when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Practical Prepping Podcast. Mark and Krista here. We are so glad that you have joined us. We'd like to ask you a favor. Could you share this podcast? with your family and your friends on social media, that keeps our program going. And, you know, they need to be prepared as well. Don't you agree? I do agree. And I thought I was going to be recording today by myself. And the listeners are certainly glad that you got back and are able to do the episode with me. Yeah, I pulled a long work day today, but I was still able to get back at a sensible hour. We really anticipated me being by myself tonight, but I know I'm certainly glad she's back, and I know you are too. I was doing a little bit of research today, and I came across something. In fact, somebody asked me a question that led me to doing some research, and she said, what's up with the pet food shortage, or specifically, she said, cat food shortage. I've noticed it, because we buy cat food. We, we buy cat food, but it's an issue with pet food across Dog, the board. cat, right. probably other animals, too. And I don't know about fish food. That, you know, flakes and what have you. I don't know how that stuff's made, but <laughs> I do. anyway. well, <laughs> yeah. As many of you know, I owned a pet store for 30 years. So I learned a couple things yeah, about if you pets ask, in general. <laughs> if you ask her something about an animal, she'll tell you more than you probably wanted to know. <laughs> probably will. <laughs> Especially when it comes to certain types of animals. But anyway, what I have found, and, and I knew the shortages were there, and with some of the things that I've found, I've even texted our family members, and I've said, not only is it there, but it's going to get worse. Oh, my. And so I've let all of our family with pets know. And what I'm finding is some of them are having to check multiple stores to be able to get pet food. Because, you know, customers generally do get very brand loyal. Mm -hmm. I know that we are. I do want to feed my cats higher end food because I know the investment of a better quality food pays off in a healthier animal. And so I can justify paying a few more dollars for what they're eating, which is still a bargain, mm -hmm. by not having them unhealthy and at the expensive vet all the time. Exactly. It's much cheaper to buy good food than it is to go to the vet, kind of like it is cheaper, and it's not cheap at all to eat good food, well, but it's cheaper yeah. than having to go through a lot of medical testing and such. But anyway, back to what I was talking about. What I found is that same things that are affecting the human food supplies are affecting the pet food supplies. Well, it's all a domino. You know, it, you push one domino, the next one falls. They're having problems with labor shortages. No. That's one thing that they're having. They're having problems acquiring raw materials. Right. Some of them do use grains and other types of ingredient sourcing, mm -hmm. and some of those things are just not available. And transportation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes once it gets made, it may get to the warehouse and then be longer getting out to the store yeah. 
And another thing that I found was that there's a higher demand. Right, because you remember during COVID, Mm -hmm. a lot of people were home, and this was the time that they thought about and acted upon bringing home a dog or a cat, a kitten, a puppy, or guinea pig, or what have you. And so pet ownership and pet responsibility has increased quite a lot. And I can see that. You know, the kids are not able to go to school. They're not able to go and play at friends in the park and what have you, so... Get them a puppy. Mm -hmm. And that puppy is a lifetime commitment, at least for the lifetime of the puppy. Right. And owners are buying in higher quantity. Right. So there's just a perfect storm hitting the pet food market. So we're just giving you the alert in this current event section of our program tonight that you may want to double up on some of your pet food. And we did mention this on podcasts some months back that, we would be expecting some shortages in the pet food industry. And share what we do with the boys at night that's actually cheaper for oh, us. Yeah, we have two cats, as most of you know. In fact, they're sitting at our feet as we speak. And they have their own room that they stay in at night, and that's very necessary because I just I love my kitty cats, but they don't behave. I tried one night for them to be loose. And they ran all over this house like it was the Kentucky Derby, and I didn't get a wink of sleep. So they have their own room with all their goodies in there, their food, their water, their litter box, their toys, everything they need. So And it's every- actually our den. It's not yeah. like they have a separate room in no, the house. No, I mean, they, they just, they it, basically, it's the TV room. It's where they get locked in at night. <laughs> so my temptation that lures them in to keep them focused is I open a can of tuna. Now, before I was just buying regular cat food pouches. I like the higher brand, the grain free and that sort of thing. And some of those pouches are a buck seventy to two fifty a piece and they're only three ounces. And so one time I was literally just, you know, out of pouches and I just reached for a can of tuna, one of those little five ounce cans of tuna in my prepper pantry and thought, well, you know, here we go. So it's eighty nine cents and I opened it up. And these cats jumped on it like a chicken on a June bug. They love them some tuna. And it's tuna packed in water. It's very healthy. They turn their nose up at the tuna packed in oil. Yeah, we tried the oil. Yeah, they did. they were like, uh-uh. And I'm not all that great with it myself, although <laughs> I've got three more cans of it to eat. Uh, it's not going to go to waste. It was my fault. I picked up the wrong tuna. And I think I bought 10 cans of it that <laughs> yeah. day. And I'm glad so you like it. <laughs> we've had, I didn't say I like it. I said I eat it. But I do like tuna. But I like the cats. I prefer mine packed in water. That might be a consideration with yours. If you're going to try the tuna, it is less expensive. There's more in the can than there is in the pouch. Yeah, uh, clearly double. The and amount. It, even the, I don't know the brands offhand, but they come in small little individual serving peel the top back and there's the food oh i see what you're talking about cat food yes the the plastic yeah, cat like food that. and it's about three inches across <clears throat> i don't i don't buy that brand so it's I, not I coming to that. my mind it, it's not coming to mind either but it's going to be cheaper than that oh yeah I mean, any animal food is going to have a higher price tag mm-hmm. because it's got that label the actual food that's inside isn't all that expensive, but you're paying for the packaging. That, and sometimes I'm not sure how much difference it is. Probably not all that much. Right. But I will say that we've got two cats here that uh, they'll jump through a flaming hoop if they know I've got a can of tuna waiting. They'll be hiding from us, and they won't come. They hear that 
can opener, and it sounds like a herd of cows coming. <laughs> Cats can be trained. Let's change horses here. We had to replace our NOAA weather radio. Yes, our weather radio has bit the proverbial dust. Or it's biting it anyway. Yeah, it's starting to just go off for no reason, and then it quits, which, you know, that's not a mm-hmm. weather radio's normal behavior. Well, it is over 10 years old. So? And it's been used and used and used, and now it won't program. We noticed that on Tuesday, and it did not have batteries in it, and I unplugged it to move it as we were building the studio out. Mm-hmm. And I plugged it back up, and I was going to reprogram it, which is no big deal. But it wouldn't go into set mode. Yeah. So we had to buy a new one. And they're kind of hard to find right now. They really are. We were a bit lucky to be able to find one locally sourced here in our area where we live. And I'll say a shout out to Ace Hardware. Whoop, whoop. They had plenty of the Midland alert radios with the same technology. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But we found a very, very good supply there of the Midland desktop model. But we're going to hang it on the wall. Yeah. And we're going to hang it at our eye level where we don't have to bend down to see it. <laughs> exactly. Find a way to make it work and we, then use it. We will make it work. I mentioned the same technology. That is specific area message encoding. S-A-M-E. Correct. And the Midland particularly Will And it's sitting right here beside me to be programmed after we finish recording because we're expecting some storms through here tonight. Yeah, we got to be alerted. What you do is there's a six-digit code that's specific to your county. Or area, depending on where you live. Actually, they are counties. In Louisiana, it's a parish. Okay, I stand corrected. (laughs) Hold my hand out and she slaps my hand. Okay, I had my hand slapped. (laughs) Okay. I'll give you the website in just a minute. But when you go to that website and it comes up, you select your state. Then you select your county or parish. Thank you. Whatever you live in. Mm -hmm. And you get the six-digit code. And it also gives you the frequency of the transmitters in your area. That's important to know. It is, because you need to try each of those. And once in a while, you'll have one of those transmitters go down. And our same code works off of both of the transmitters that we have in the area, one north, one south. In our particular case, it's 162.520 and 162.400. And where you find those is at weather.gov forward slash NWR for National Weather Radio or NOAA Weather Radio slash counties. And we will put that on the website. We'll put it on the front page blog. We'll put it on the show notes, and we'll even put it on Facebook. And probably the newsletter, too. And we'll put it on the newsletter. But that will be uh, where you can find that. Now, there's a little trick, and a lot of folks think that you just program in where you are. Well, I mean, that seems to be the sensible thought was, okay, if I live, I'm just going to pull names out of the air. If I live in uh, Broward County, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to program for Broward County. So, Mark, what would be the 
what would be the problem with that? Well, what I learned when our granddaughter was going to college at, and she was in Mobile at the University of South Alabama, and the Mobile Weather Service, National Weather Service Mobile, is the one that issued the warnings. But when they issued a warning for Mobile County, I found that I really would have liked to have had a little bit more warning to be able to get in touch with my granddaughter and tell her to get under the bed, in the shelter, whatever. Mm -hmm. And usually I would call her if it was middle of the night or I would text. And so what I found that I could do is those storms came across southern Mississippi coming into Alabama. So I found the next county over in Mississippi, and I programmed that in. And I even, uh, and, and I'm not talking about being able to get it on the radio from here down there, but I have another program that it would alert me from anywhere I want. I follow. And I even put in Biloxi because I wanted to see what was coming through Biloxi to know what I was going to be dealing with when it got to Megan. And likely hurricanes would have probably been, hurricanes and tornado activity would have been very prevalent in that Gulf area. They would. Now, we handled those differently. We You get some time on, on hurricanes. Right. And what we developed, the policy was, don't be there. If there's a hurricane coming in the Gulf and it looks like it's coming anywhere near the Alabama coast, Get yourself in that car and get home. Mm -hmm. And she would do that. Now, it can create more alarms when there's heavy thunderstorm activity. But that's kind of the point. But we use one county upstream from us. And when I mm -hmm. say upstream, I mean from the direction that the storms normally come. Right. If they're coming from a different area, a different direction, I will usually have some heads up on that. But this is the ones that just pop up and we didn't pay attention. Maybe it was, you know, small. I'm sitting here in my chair and the assistant producer, Sabin. The cat. The cat. Uh, he is a needy little booger when I'm sitting here, and he reaches up, and my arm is now bleeding. Yeah, because he's lightly scratched his daddy for attention. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't understand why we're doing this. And I've tried to get him to be in my lap during this, but he just won't do that. He'd rather be either on the floor scratching me or on the table walking on the board. <laughs> and he has muted me before. Oh, yeah. All right, as we move on, let's thank our sponsors today. Yes. And we'll start with Jim Curtis Knives. He is our custom knife maker. And Clean Start is our hand sanitizer and antiseptic concentrate. And I will be putting some Clean Start on my arm here in just a few minutes. <laughs> and it's sitting around the corner there, so mm -hmm. I can't reach it from here. And the base handgun training system. Sean has developed a video handgun training and dry fire drills for those that have not had formal handgun training. And of course, ProLine Digital Group, they're your custom, reliable, and innovative solutions for websites and outbuilding, as well as web hosting. They host ours, and we have had zero minutes of downtime that was their fault. We've had a little bit of downtime that was my fault. Oh, okay. And... Uh, Eric fixed that for us, and um, they were very responsive to that. 
And of course, there is the Pro One water filter system, the Gravity water filters, and there's a Pro One water filter that's right for you. They do have all different sizes. They do. They do, from the four-tenths of a gallon pitcher that goes into the refrigerator and filters to the three-gallon Big 2, which uh, or the Big Plus, which is what we have, and we absolutely love it. Now, all of our sponsors are linked from the front page of our website, www.practicalprepping.info, and there's some discount codes or discount coupons already built in but it'll show you what the discounts are on which ones there are. There's a $50 discount on base handgun, and there is a 25% discount on clean start. And for what you get with it, it makes it a very, very good deal. All right, our topic for today is where not to store our preps. First place not to store your preps, and we're going to have to preface this, is in damp basements. Good old damp basements. Yes. Storing supplies in the basement is a great option. Mm -hmm. And basements are the safe place for most natural disasters. So it just makes sense to keep your preps in there. It makes sense. But there's some things you need to consider. One, if you live in a flood prone area, and I don't care if water has not yet gotten into your basement, if it's possible that water could get in there, you need to put some elevated shelves in there. There was a man that lived, we said, across the ditch. It was next door to my mother and dad. And there was this wet water creek ran between. And two or three times a year, that thing would flood to the point that it would get into his basement. Mm. They built the entire thing one concrete block too low. Oh, so they flooded and your basement did not. Oh, never got up to the door on mm-hmm. Diads. Okay. And the Diad took the contractor there and showed him where the high water mark was that Diad had seen. This was a friend of ours. He was actually our pharmacist. And the contractor still built it one too low. And I had told him, I said, I've paddled around on this lot in a little plastic boat. (laughs) Well, I was a kid, you know, I was 12 years old. What did I know? And two or three times a year, it would flood his basement with about four or five inches of water. Wow. So nothing could be sitting on the floor. Yeah. Nothing. um, The lawnmower sat there and that was about it. And he had to build shelves to put everything up off of the floor. That's not very handy. No, but it was a learning experience for me. Know where that water could go. Even if it's not yet gone into your basement, you might want to consider some elevated shelves. Now, if water gets into our garage, Noah's going to be loading a boat somewhere. Our garage is up on a little bit of a hill. Oh, yeah. A little rise. As is our house, which is not really up on a hill, but it's elevated. Uh, it's it's kind of six steps to come up from the ground level to, to the door. Six steps to come up, yeah. and it's got a pretty good crawl space under it. But if we were any lower, and we do actually have elevated shelves in the garage, not for flooding, but for storage space. Yeah, sure. We don't have enough floor space for the junk we have in there already. <laughs> and so... Uh, our preps that are out there, and we don't keep food out there. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But another thing about the humidity in the basements, it can cause mold to form. Yeah, so what you're saying is that basements proper are not off limits. No. It's just the conditions 
of the basement? Is it going? Is it in a naturally humid area, and is it in a flooding water collecting mm-hmm. area? Otherwise, if it's dry as a bone, you're good. Yeah. Now, mother and dad's uh, dad was a tinkerer after he retired, especially, and the garage doors would be up almost every day because he was going in and out and doing things and. So it got a lot of airflow, and we didn't have a humidity problem in the actual basement. Now, there was a room under the patio where I actually had a dark room in there, and it did not get the airflow, and so we had to have a dehumidifier in there. One of our son-in-laws has to run two dehumidifiers in their basement. It's quite large. It's It's large. But it's also not open. They've actually closed in what was once a roll-up door, and there's nothing but a walk-through door, and there's just not the airflow through it. Mm -hmm. So he runs two dehumidifiers in there, and he stores all of his preps down there. And it's up on shelves, too. That's on shelves, but it's for storage. Mm -hmm. But there's no issue with water getting into his. There's even less possibility with theirs than ours. Yeah, right. But what we don't want happening is mold beginning to form on things. Yeah, that can be dangerous. All right, let's take a short break for our sponsors, and we will come back in just a minute and talk about some more places not to store our preps. You have your threat assessment and plan in place. Check. You have food stocked up. Check. You have your get-home bag. Check. You have your fire and first aid supplies. Check. You have a generator and auxiliary heat source. Check. You have everything you need to keep your family safe, happy, and fed for a month. Except water. A family of four would need a minimum of 120 gallons just for a month. That's a lot of water. It's heavy, and it takes up a lot of space. For less than the cost of water containers to store that 120 gallons, you can have a family-sized Pro One gravity water filter. Then, as long as you can source water from a creek, a stream, river, lake, pond, even a mud hole, you can have crystal clear, clean drinking water. We have the big plus. Not only is it the backbone of our emergency water plan, we use it every day. It makes the water taste better. It is so simple to operate. Just put unfiltered water into the top portion and clean, safe water comes out into the bottom portion. Pro One Gravity Water Filters... Pro One Gravity Water Filters out 200... The Pro One Gravity Water Filter takes out over 200 contaminants, including viruses, bacteria, parasites heavy metals, herbicides and pesticides, microplastics, acids, pharmaceuticals, and more. There's a Pro One Gravity water filter for you. Go to our website, www.practicalprepping.info. Click on that link and check it out. One of our favorite charitable organizations and one that we support is St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. St. Jude has a 4 out of 4 star rating on Charity Navigator. 80 cents of every dollar raised goes directly to research and treatment. 15% goes to fundraising, and only 5% goes to administrative costs. They are the real deal. It costs $2.8 million per day to run the hospital, but it never charges patients for their care. That's over $1 billion of treatment and research every year. No children are ever turned away because of their parents' inability to pay. 
Their commitment is this. No family ever receives a bill from St. Jude because we believe all a family should worry about is helping their children live. We won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Go to stjude.org. Click on the red Donate button. You can use any major credit card, debit card, PayPal, or Amazon Pay. They'll even take your check. Let's give generously and help them save the lives of children. stjude.org is also linked in our Practical Prepping website. Next place we don't want to store our preps is in hot garages or outbuildings. And why is that? And that is because some of those outbuildings can get well over 100 degrees. Yes, they can. Parts of this country and parts of the world, they can get way over 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to be storing foodstuffs in there because heat will reduce the shelf life of food. You know, another hot place would be like an attic that's the storage attic. Mm -hmm. Same problem. Tremendous greenhouse effect. Yeah, we're about to add stairway going up into our attic for storage space, and we will not be storing any food up there. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, it gets hot just like an outbuilding would. And not only does it reduce the shelf life, it can cause canned goods to swell and even rupture. That's not good. You don't want to be blowing beans over all the rest of your food. Well, that just the, the bacteria and the, the risk of botulism is... Yeah, it could swell. Right. If, if you find one that has swelled, just go ahead and discard Toss. it. Toss. It's not worth that very, very microscopic uh, breach through that can that could allow bacteria to get in there. Mm-hmm. And that can happen if you store your food in an extremely hot place. You also should not store gasoline or propane in that outbuilding. Now, the pressure builds up, and if you have put gas in in the cold weather and then the gas can warms up, you may see it swell just a little bit because that liquid expands when it warms up. And the opposite happens as well. If you put it in there and everything's warm and it goes into a very cool environment, you'll see it contract. But if that pressure rises to a certain point, it can cause those gas fumes to escape through either the vent or even around the lid. And that's what's volatile. That's what's volatile. The the liquid doesn't burn. No. It's all of the vapors vapors that come off of it. Now, when it comes to the pressure in the propane tanks, it will increase. I honestly don't know how much pressure that propane tank can handle. But we make a habit of not storing those inside the garage. But what I do with gasoline and with propane in late spring through early fall, when it's not hot, it will be stored outside behind the wood shop on a couple of shelves covered with tarps. And it's in an area that does not get sunshine. That seems like the safest choice. It's totally shaded. And yeah, it might get 80 or 90 degrees out there if that's what the ambient temperature is. But that's not like it sitting there in 120 degrees. So just be aware of those. Here's another one that you really don't want to do. And that's store it where rodents can get to them. Yeah, because rats and squirrels will surprise you at what they will chew through to get to anything they feel like they can eat. So they will, you know, just chomp right through plastic totes, 
I have been seeing them go through very rigid plastic totes. They will chew thin metals if they can get through anything that has tin, you know, mm-hmm. or a very thin sheet of aluminum. So anytime you know that you have any kind of vermin that may infest, and if you've got a garage, I can promise you squirrels are going to try to get up in that garage. We've got a couple of squirrels living in ours right now. Now, I'm going to give them through February, but in the spring, they have to move out. <laughs> get their eviction notice. I try to, um, well, I want them to do that before they start having babies. Yeah. Uh, I don't want the babies to die because of what I do. Yeah. And I'm going to get in there and I'm going to seal every little area. I, I know where they're coming in right now, but I'm going to seal every little area with steel wool and wood. So I'm going to stop them coming through there. Now, another thing that I do just because it is the garage and there's the potential for rodents, I use pest control in a few places around floor level. I have been known to put pest control blocks right at where I had something stored on the ground that I didn't want them to chew through. So let me give you something here to chew on instead of my totes. Mm-hmm. That's just one of the things that, that I've done. Don't store any food in the garage. But now we do store gear. Yeah. We do store gear. We do. We have our tent. We have <laughs> we have a cat that is just determined to mess with my mic. He, I, this is he's never acted like this before. I wish you guys could see this. He's looking at me like, "What are you doing?" And he's pushing my mic all over the room. <laughs> and he did get up there and purr one time. He, he got right up next to the mic and purred. Same but it, mommy can't play right now. Maybe it, later. At least he's not walking on the board and turning me off. (laughs) Go play with your cousin, brother. Go on. All right. Next place is indirect sunlight. In. In Indirect. Direct sunlight. (laughs) Okay. You don't want the sun shining on your preps. Right. Yeah. Again, the the heating up of the effect, mm -hmm. any dry beans or rice even can become overheated and might collect and condense with moisture. Now, Krista's Prepper Pantry has a west-facing window. And that sun can come through that window in the afternoon and come through pretty steady. So we keep the blinds closed and we can stack paper goods in front of that window. It's the furthest thing in the room. And so we can stack stuff up there, Mm -hmm. particularly paper goods, and block that off. So it stays reasonably dark. Not dark enough that you can't walk around in there without turning the lights on. Get down. (laughs) Saban has left the table. No, he hasn't. (laughs) The table. He's left the table. We have a determined kitty cat. Yes, he is determined. So you don't want to store your preps in direct sunlight. Here's another one. Having your preps in one and only one place. Now, this is a little harder for a lot of people simply because of the space. That's reasonable. And the idea is that you don't want to have everything in one place because it could get destroyed in a single event. A fire or even a falling tree Mm -hmm. comes to mind that you could have a tree fall into the room that your preps are in and not be able to get to them. Or, you know, the wind can carry them all away or something or just destroy it. Exactly. 
So you can store food in alternate places. You can put it under a bed or in a closet. Now, in an apartment that we lived in right after we got married, we had this real long, slender table that we put between the couch and the wall, and we covered it, or Krista covered it, with a floor-length tablecloth, and that made storage for us under that table, and nobody saw it when they came in. And we did the very same thing with a round three-legged table that held our TV. And so we stored under it as well. Exactly. So it's it's a great place. Look around. I did read one one time of someone was storing it between the curtains and the wall. <laughs> well, that, that, there's not a lot of room there, but I guess you need to utilize every inch of space that's available to you. And the less space you have, the more creative you need to get. Mm-hmm. I've heard of people using the bottom drawer of a dresser. Sure. Or a chest of drawers. Sure. And anywhere that you can store food in the bottom of the closet, the top of the closet, whatever. But if you can spread your preps out a little bit and if you can have some off site. Right. You know, just a, a little bit idea. Of extra insurance, mm-hmm. so to speak. We actually have them stored in two cities. It's you know <laughs> yeah, we do. We yeah. do. We have some stored in our house and we have some stored at a family house in another county. So we have preps in more than one place. Yeah. Here's an idea. Maybe you need to put a reminder on a calendar if you're still using a paper calendar or put this on your calendar on your phone to move your preps in rotation because if it's out of sight, it can be out of your mind, mm-hmm. you know, away from your thoughts. And you may need to reacquaint yourself with what your inventory is. Remember that Saturday several weeks ago? I took a Saturday a few hours and I just repositioned a lot of my prepper goods, particularly food. And that gave me the opportunity to inventory what I had and to remind myself of what I had forgotten that I had. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to move some things into rotation for our immediate use because they were coming due on their expiration dates the or the sooner it's going to expire that needs to be at the head of your rotation and the newer things you're buying with a longer expiration date out put that to the rear and actually the way she does it is she moves those from the prepper closet up to her regular pantry right and so they get used yeah. out of there mm-hmm. but now that was more than a few weeks ago that was several months ago uh, time's flying when you're having fun i uh, know But, yeah, that was probably about October. She took a whole Saturday and did that. Mm -hmm. Now, here's something else. And this one, you know, there's some latitude in this. But having things where company can see all your preps. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of schools of thought out there about if you should even tell anybody that you're into preparedness or if you don't have any problems with it whatsoever. And so maybe all of your gear and all of your water and all of your food, if it's on display somehow, and maybe you don't have any other way of keeping it. Thinking that through for a minute, I'm thinking about the basement with lots of shelves and stuff. Mm -hmm. You can put curtains up in front of those shelves. Oh, of course you can. So that people cannot see them. Or you could put a false wall or you could whatever. Folding screen. (laughs) Anything to keep just passerbys from coming through and seeing everything that you have. Now, we kind of keep what we have secret, and it may be really wise in some folks' case to not let any family members know that they have anything. 
Well, uh, you have to balance that with with what your level of trust and Mm -hmm. what your level of comfort is in communicating the things that you're putting aside, because there's kind of an understanding that, you know, if it all falls apart, if society falls apart, we want to help our neighbors in need, but we also do not want to be the single home that the droving crowds now beat down to come get what you've got because they know what you have. Now, in our case, you write a couple of books on prepping and I've got a cat walking on the computer now. I'm telling you, people. Do y'all have the same problem with your cats? Ugh, hey. I mentioned we've written a couple of books on prepping. We encourage others to prep. I mean, that that's just something that we do. That's that's really what at the at the source of everything we're doing here right now. And when we do that, we use the word prepared. And Krista was meeting with a family today, and she actually brought up prepping, being prepared, and we use being prepared for that rather than the word prepping because some folks take that back to the old doomsday prepper and, you know, being really weird. And you do 330 episodes of a podcast called Practical Prepping Podcast, and everybody knows we're preppers. The whole family, <laughs> yeah. a lot of friends. They do know, although to be quite honest, it's not at the forefront of all of our conversations. It's not. It's rarely, but they know. But most of them are prepping to some degree. So I'm mm-hmm. really They've not, taken our lead. They really are. Our whole family knows, and but nobody knows exactly what we have, where it is, or how much we have. So it really is up to you. Who and how much you share. But we do want to protect our preps by storing them properly. That we do. Thank you for listening today. You can contact us by email at info at practicalprepping.info or through Facebook at Practical Prepping. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can start your Amazon shopping from our website or you can buy us a cup of coffee. Both links are on the website. And we do earn a small commission we from do, and, a, being an Amazon affiliate. And remember that 10% of every dollar that comes in goes to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So not only are you supporting the podcast, you're supporting research and treatment of childhood cancer. And we certainly appreciate that. And as Krista says, stuff does happen. So you got to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.